Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Okay, so my name's Paul, and as Andrew said, I'm part of the team as well here, part of the mob here, and slowly drifting into the place and being a part of what's going on here in Bridge City Church. Um, I've had a few cracks at having a, a talk to you about things, but I want to talk again this morning about why we're here, what we're doing here. Just Bridge City Church, that's the name that we've got in this building again. Our, I believe our role in this place is to build bridges. I, I preached a little message a little while ago about the fact that we are here not to build walls, we're here to knock down walls and build bridges, build bridges that into the community so that we can contact the, the people that surround us and also bridge a path for them to come and have a relationship with Jesus in this place. That's our job. That's, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. That's what we're here to do this morning. Um, take the opportunity to honour Pastor Robin as our senior pastor and also all the people who serve in this church, all those people who, out of love and gratitude, for Jesus comes and, and serves in this place. The cleaners, the gardeners, whatever you do. You're, it's a, pl- a pleasure to be a part of a team and a family who are prepared to love God and do what they can do. So thank you. Now let me pray before I start to ramble on too much. Father God, I come so thankful that uh, you can quicken my mouth and can just place the words into me. So Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight today. Amen. Amen. Hmm. So when Rachel asked about what sort of a week we had, I almost felt like jumping up and saying, this, I've had the, one of the best weeks in my whole life this week. I had the opportunity to meet my newest granddaughter, Stevie Grace. And so, um, yeah, it is, yeah. And, um, so it's just been a highlight, and I've just, we've just had a great time spending time with her. And thank you. So thanks to Brian and Jenima who... Uh, made the investment in driving to Sunny Murray Bridge. Thank you. Bless you. Um, so as I said, I'm trying to just give you a bit of a snapshot about um, what our life has been as, we, as we've done the journey into, into Bridge City. We spoke last time, we showed you the clip of, of what we did as a role as pastors in um, Mallee Life Church with the buildings and things. And so that was a great chance to do that. I want to take a little step back and just reflect on some of my, my own history. So... I have to confess that I'm a recovering football addict. <laughs> I was um, in, in the country and then in, in the country town you're immersed in that culture of being a part of the football team. So, and that was the way I grew up, um, doing that. I loved football. Um, but I was only a little fella at that stage. When I started to play football when I was 16, I was only a little bit of a jockey. But I was about 55 or 60 kilos and skinny as a rake. There's a photo. You want to show us that photo? Okay. <laughs> No, just to clarify, I'm the one on the right. Okay? <laughs> what a magnificent <laughs> look at that! Look at that. what a magnificent head of hair. That's a, uh, anyway. That was us. That was at the inter-school sports. That's more one moment of glory. I could run fast in a straight line. That helped. So yeah. So that's a picture of me, just to prove that I was a bit slimmer at some point. But yeah. So I was only I was only a whip of a lad. You better get that down fast, you know, that's, that's a, Yeah, I was only just a, a whip of a lad. And uh, as I said, not a lot of skill. 
So I'd I'd love football, and they said, because we're ingrained in that culture, that's what we did. We were there to play footy and to be a part of it. And from a very early age, we were raised to be a part of that culture. So that's what I did. We played footy. Um, And because of my stature and because of the fact that I wasn't very uh, ball savvy, um, I struggled a little bit. But I did find, this is a a terrible confession to make, that I could find that I could actually get into the heads of my opponent. As I stood next to my opponent playing football, I could sow seeds of doubt into their minds. I could, I seriously, I could sow, you could stand next to them and sow seeds of doubt. You could, if, as they handball, you could say, was that the right choice to make? And you can say, should you have kicked that pool over that place? Um, and that's what I did. And it, and it worked. And really, I can't, as, as, as a pastor, I probably should be confessing that, but that's, it was, it was, um, it was a, and I'm, I'm regretful of that, that, that part of my life in many ways, but it, it, it just showed the power of what we speak into other people's lives. I, I, I always, uh, what do I say, I, ref, I defer to the fact that I also had another disease which is called white line fever. When I crossed that line to play football, then a lot of the rules changed in my life. But, um, but I'm redeemed of that now and I'm set free from football. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But I want to contrast that with one of my teammates. So I, I played, in my, as I started off in that uh, initial part of my career, with a bloke called Steve. So as I said, I was 16 or 17. And Steve was what, at what you would call the twilight of his career. He was uh, finishing up, uh, he's probably yeah, in his late 40s, I think, at that stage. Still loving football, still passionate. But he was my biggest fan, or so it seemed to me. Um, even when I managed to turn the ball over to the opposition or if I missed the goal from 10 yards out, Steve would be there encouraging me, telling me it's okay. Um, keep my head up, try again. And the real, real uh, blessing of Steve, he was a back pocketer. He'd play in the back pocket. And he was what we used to call the back pocketers, nuggety back pocketers. He was. He was a strong man. But he would run the full 150 metres of the oval from the back pocket to the forward pocket where I was playing as a young up-and-coming player to encourage me at that point. So that, for Steve to run that far, that's 300 metres, was a big commitment for him to do that. He had, it cost him to come and encourage me at that point. Yeah. It spoke to him in an incredible fashion. And again, I was just reminded again of that, the power of an encourager as we do life together. And that's the, as, as the people of faith, as a body of Christ, as a family of believers, that's, that's our job is to encourage and uplift and uphold one another to do the journey. So I do want to spend some time today looking into the book of Acts because I was really impacted by the reference to Barnabas and the way that he supported Paul in his early ministry in that situation. Because the reality is for us as Christians, we can be worn down by life and the challenges that, that we face, can't we? There's, there's things that get on top of us and we got the old adage about the glass half full or the glass half empty and it usually depends on what time of bed, what time you went to bed and what's been going on the rest of your life as to what your attitude is to that particular question. Um, yeah, last time I spoke to you, we reflected on that, the motivational giftings, when we talked about those things that excite us, the things that infuriate us, the things that get us out of bed, the things that keep us awake at night. Um, we've looked at that, those things that bubble out of us. So we need to put that scripture up again, Daniel, just to reflect, remind us of what we talked about. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out of as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, 
serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If he's giving, give generously. If, he's, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And the reality is that, I guess I'll just take us back to that point and remember that we are all different. We all have got different motivational giftings and things that, that, that get us excited. Not all of us carry the motivational gift of encouragement. We don't. We don't do that. But we can see things, I really believe we can see some things in, in Barnabas' life which are, which are tools we can take and use to become encouragers, to, to, to apply as we do the journey of life together. I want to spend some time this morning just reflecting on those. So the first one is to give the gift of generosity. So Barnabas first appears in um, Acts chapter 4, but he was referred to, and it says this, scripture up there, then it says, For instance, there was Joseph, the one, of, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. He's from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to his apostle, apostles. Don't you love a nickname? It's a very Aussie thing to do, isn't it? Give someone a nickname. Uh, my childhood nickname was Alfie. <laughs> I asked my grandfather, my paternal grandfather. But it's a very Aussie thing to do, to give people nicknames. And it's a great picture there of capturing people's character or something that, that sets them apart and identifies them who's they, who they are. So we see in that, that the incredible generosity of, of um, Barnabas. He's prepared to sell a field and give the money to apostles. He was committed to the early church. He was a Levite from the tribe of Levi and from Cyprus. Number two, to give the gift of integrity. And we can, if we, those of us who know our Bible stories know that in contrast with that gift that uh, Barnabas brought was Ananias and Sapphira who brought the gift but didn't bring it with the right heart. And they got smited, <laughs> as Andrew referred to. They were killed. It wasn't a question of giving at all. It was a question of uh, their heart attitude, of their honesty, of their conversation. Let's let yes be yes and a no be no. Everything else, it says it in Matthew 5, 37. Let your statement yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more is from the evil one. And it's an interesting test, isn't it? They ought to test them integrity. I asked this question in Lamaru a little few weeks ago. What does integrity mean? And one person said, it's what we do when no one's watching. And that's a bit of a sobering thought, isn't it? To think about what that, that's a really what, a good way to sum up what integrity looks like. Um, tell you a story about visiting the local pharmacy. I went uh, recently to get a rat test. How much fun a rat test? Everyone loves rat tests, don't they? Um, so I went to get the rat test, looking forward to that prospect, and uh, I bought another packet of cold, I had a cold and flu tablet, so I bought some cold and flu tablets. We all went to the counter to pay for these items, and she said to me, oh, that's $15. I said, uh, that's not right, because the rat tests were $50, $50 for five. And she thanked me for not taking the opportunity to just pay the $15 and move on. Out of that, 
Um, I've been back subsequently to that pharmacy with another cold and another flu, and they've been really quite caring and prepared to, to stretch the friendship to allow me to get access to my cold and flu tablets, which has been awesome. It's been awesome. Can I suggest to you this morning that favour flows from integrity? God's favour flows from as we, as we live a life of integrity. Influence, the opportunity to influence and to speak into people's lives will flow from our integrity, from doing those things which we only do when no one's watching. Number three is to give the gift of speaking potential. So we had the story of Paul, who'd been, who'd been radically uh, converted on the roadside from a Christian-hating, murdering person to someone who's been radically saved. So as, the early, as a person in the early church, would you be a bit suspicious of someone who's going to come and say that I've been radically saved and I'm just going to come and be a part of your fellowship? Maybe so. Yeah. How do you make a track into that situation? They would have been fearful and sceptical of Paul's supposed conversion. But Barnabas, this is out of Acts chapter 9, verses 27 to 8. This is where Barnabas steps in. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Barnabas, at that point, was an independent thinker. He wasn't influenced by those prejudices and those fears that, that the crowd... The crowd can have an incredible impact on what we, what, how we think and we feel. What the crowd thought didn't influence Barnabas' thinking at that point. He saw in Saul that grace of God at work, the fact that he had been transformed. Because of Barnabas, because of his preparedness to, to influence the situation, Saul was accepted into church. He encouraged Saul... By getting him across the getting him across the threshold, so many times we have opportunities to just to to introduce people to to make connections, and especially the church family, we've got the chance to connect people throughout what we, the influence sphere. We all have spheres of influence which we can use, and God's placed is in that place to use that sphere of influence to connect and join together. Yeah, Barnabas saw things that were new and possible in Saul, and took the risk of giving him a go, of using his reputation, of using his influence to open that door. Number four, give the gift of embracing change. So in Acts chapter 11, the church really faced quite a challenge because the nice, neat um, Christian church established amongst the... the, uh, early church had broken over, had jumped the fence line, jumped out and escaped, and it was burning throughout the Gentile world, burning throughout the people that surrounded the place. There's a great picture of fire that Andrew talked about in there, that, that, what the fire can do. If anyone's been standing out uh, or watching a grass fire burn, it just gets its own momentum. It begins to draw, draw the, um, the air from around it and make it burn. That's a picture of the early church just burning through that Gentile world. The great unwashed, jumping over racial and cultural barriers, just just amazing. So to sort that out, they, well, they thought this needed to be sorted out. So they sent some of the early leaders to check out what was actually going on in these Gentile churches. Who did they send? 
Barnabas. They sent Barnabas. Scripture says now these, those who travelled had, uh, had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the news message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, began to, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22 says, News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged them to all remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. It's just so interesting. He was sent to stretch out these new Christians in Antioch. Someone who's, again, immersed, a Levite, immersed in that, that, that cultural picture of, um, of the fire of God, that, that Levite tradition. Immersed in that is a priestly class. Trained in the ways of the law. Jews of Jews. So Barnabas, we've got to just picture that. So Barnabas had to pitch, step over generations of ingrained thinking about how to approach the Gentile world. They'd seen the Gentile people as cannon fodder, as fires to feed the furnaces of hell. That's what they saw the, the Gentiles as playing their role. Barnas had an open mind for something that knew what God was doing. He, had, he was prepared to embrace something new. Andrew, as Andrew said, God never changes, but he's always on the move. He's always doing something different to share that same message. Yeah. And I think the thing I've just written in my notes here, we need to embrace, not just tolerate. We need to embrace those opportunities for change and not just tolerate them. It's, a, it's an active it's an active movement towards something rather than just standing back and seeing what happens. I encourage you this morning that we need to embrace those opportunities for change. Number five, give the gift of a second chance. So as I said before, as the time went on, Barnabas and Paul formed a pretty formidable partnership, a ministry team together. They worked together really well and cared for and supported each other. They travelled internationally, preaching the gospel and planting churches. What a, what a great thing to be a part of. But then in Acts 15, they had a serious dispute. Reading from 36 in that chapter 15, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit brothers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, oh, sharp disagreement, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Uh, the character Mark is really interesting for that in that early days of the church. We know that he and Barnabas were actually cousins. And it is also generally regarded that Mark was a boy during the ministry of Jesus. And we also understand him to be the author of the second gospel of the, in, the test, in the New Testament, the gospel of Mark. But he'd, he'd made a serious mistake, obviously, in Paul's eyes. He'd been part of that team earlier, but then it bolted when the going got tough. He'd, he'd done a runner. And it's not actually clear what happened, but he let Paul down. Paul felt like he'd been let down 
And as far as Paul was concerned, from what he spoke there, Mark had burnt his bridges. He'd made, he'd gone a step too far. He damaged his credibility and disqualified himself from being a part of the team. But Barnabas did see something in, Paul, uh, in Mark that Paul could not see. Yes, he had failed, he'd let them down, but Paul was, and he was justified for that, but he saw the potential for good in that young man. He saw beyond the failure, he saw beyond the mistakes to a future of restoration. He saw that in, in, in his eyes. Barnabas was willing, was willing to give him a second chance. He was prepared to give him that second chance. Yeah. As it said, the conflict was between Paul and Barnabas was so severe that it ended up parting company. So who was right? Was it Barnabas or was it Paul? I think ultimately it was, it was Barnabas. Barnabas was proven right in that, in that case. Further on Paul's ministry, he came to the conclusion himself because he, Mark appears back in, in Paul's company. And, and he's, he's noted in the letters as one of his trusted companions, that Mark is one of his trusted companions again. Barnabas, Barnabas was prepared to give a failure a second chance. And Mark went on to be a powerful servant of the Lord who wrote the Gospel of Mark. I want to ask you two questions in the light of Barnabas' response to Mark's failure. The first one is, who are the people who believed in you when others have stepped away from you? I think we can all identify that Barnabas, that person who's been prepared to stand with us when everyone else has stepped away. It may have been a parent or a relative or a teacher or a church leader or a close friend. But they stood with us. I reflected back the other day about my first message I ever preached in Lamaroo. And gee whiz, I feel sorry for those people. (laughs) (laughs) But but they were prepared to give me a second chance and and to go on and and to do that. And and that's the picture of the gospel for us. The gospel for us is the opportunity for a second chance, the chance to step back into full fellowship with Jesus and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a 490th chance, as the scriptures tell us. The second question I want to ask you this morning is, who are we believing or investing in today who mothers would like to write off? In 2 Corinthians, there's an interesting statement by the Apostle about how we view the character of people now that we're in Christ. It says, from, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regard Christ in this way, we do so no longer. No longer. In the kingdom of God, it's our job to see things that other people don't see, to look through the eyes of the Spirit and see things that other people don't see. The world says to us that you only get one chance at a first impression, and that's that we always try and bring our best to that first day. But that's not what the gospel of, of Jesus tells us. We, we, look at the, we can look at the track, history and the track record of a person and say that they're no good in the future because of the past, the, the mistakes that they've made prior to that point. But that's not the case, is it? It's not the case. Let's summarise what we've talked about. Give the gift of generosity. Give the gift of integrity. Be prepared to to do those things when no one's watching. To give the gift of speaking potential. Speak into people's lives words of life, words of, of growth, words of expansion. Give the gift of embracing change. Not just tolerating change, but actually grabbing hold of those opportunities to change as God calls us to do that. 
It's difficult. God never changes, as Andrew shared with us, but he's always on the move. He's looking at something new for us to be a part of. And give the gift of the second chance. That's my favourite one of those. Give the gift of the second chance as we do lives together. Let's revisit the definition of encouragement. The definition of encouragement is this. The action of giving someone support, confidence or hope. Support, confidence or hope. In Hebrews it reminds us that the hope is a strong, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's a great picture. We enter the very presence of God via that hope and that hope is Jesus. He is strong and he is trustworthy. And through him and only him can we enter that holy of holies, his presence, the loving father. Yeah. And that's what I want you to encourage you this morning to understand. That's the good news of the gospel. There's a gospel of a second chance which allows us to have access to the holy of holies through Jesus Christ. The chance of a second chance. And it's my prayer that you all know that. It's my prayer that you would understand that to be the case. If you don't know that this morning, please take the opportunity this morning to speak to our team and have the opportunity to begin to understand what that means for you. But he's always ready to receive us every moment of every day, 24-7. He's open, on the run. He's open. Let me pray for you as we finish. Father God, I come so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of your story. We pray, I thank for this great group of people who are invested in your kingdom. We pray that you continue to allow us, uh, grant us the gifts and the skills to be encouragers, to, to build up and support the people that surround us. Lord, it's only through your spirit and nothing else, Father, that we can do that. It's not our skill set, not our abilities. It's your spirit throwing, flowing through us, empowering us, quickening us, um, moving our lips, allowing us to be whatever you want us to be. So Lord, we just again, we take, as that song we sang, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.